Hello, Mosaic. Uh, it's Pastor Dave here. And today I thought it would be beneficial if I did a podcast about work. Uh, this is something that I've been giving a lot of thought to recently. And um, I imagine that some of you are actually listening to this uh, on your way to work. And um, I thought it'd be really pertinent for you to... to um, Think about work with me. Uh, work is one of the most frustrating aspects of our lives. And um, when I speak to Mosaic members, work seems to be a constant frustration um, in people's lives. And it, it just seems to be this immovable obstacle in our lives, um, especially when it comes to our spiritual lives. We don't know how to get around it, and we're not really sure how we're supposed to interact with our work uh, when it comes to our faith. And so I kind of want to address this, and I'm sure some of you have read books on uh, work and the theology of work. Uh, you might have read a couple of the popular ones that are out today, but there are just a couple of ideas that I want to address uh, because I think it's important and, and an important counterweight uh, to what's out there today. And these are things that I, I'm trying to address um, in my doctoral work, and, and also I, I want to really help you to think through these things. And one of the things that I want to talk about is um, the idol of calling. Um, you know, I think I've read <clears throat> almost every book on vocational theology there is out there. And in recent vocational, vocational theology just means uh, the theology of work, vocation theology or vocational theology. Um, in recent vocational theology, there's been this huge focus on how work is supposed to contribute to the economy of God or in other words, how work is supposed to be the way that we build God's world through our work. And um, that's really popular um, in the books today. And it's really Luther re-represented or represented to our culture. And it goes like this. Uh, God created the world and called his image bearers to multiply and be fruitful in this world. And he also called us to have dominion over creation in, in this world. And therefore, uh, we are to advance culture and bless this world. And although the world is fallen, in God's redemption, we're supposed to continue to contribute to the expanding and blessing of the world as God called us to multiply and be fruitful and have dominion in this world. And the way that we're supposed to do this is we're supposed to use our calling and our gifting to contribute to culture as we are uniquely made in our callings. And so if this vocational theology says, so go find your calling, don't work for money, and use your gifts to obey God's command in Genesis 1 and 2. That's kind of what you're going to get in most of vocational theology that's out there. Um, that, that's the theology that's ingrained in most of the work that is currently available. And I think that this is a solid biblical theological approach to vocational theology. And um, I think it's really, really solid, solid foundation. Uh, but I do want to point out a couple of things that I think it, there's some lack in emphasis Um I think that inherent in the view, uh, there's something missing. I think that there is an underestimation, and in some of the books, a grave underestimation of the fall. Uh, the fall of man in Genesis 3, uh, you know, not only slowed things down for us and made things more opaque, but um, if you want to just talk about it, in, it, it devastated, it devastated um, entire ecosystems, and I'm not talking about environmental ecosystems. I'm talking about uh, social systems, our personalities, our bodies. The, the fall uh, not only made things more frustrating for us, but it really devastated uh, ecosystems that we live in. And that, that's to say that it is possible that the fall 
devastated creation to such a degree, and this may be a little bit of a um, difficult thought for some of us, but the, the fall devastated creation to such a degree that, <clears throat> that there are some things that are irredeemable in this life. Some things may not be completely redeemed in this life. For example, some may fall under a certain sickness that they may never recover from, and they may actually die from it in this life. Others might have a sin that they struggle with uh, for the rest of their lives. And um, some people might live their entire lives under social systems that might never be redeemed even after they die. Um, it's a gloomy thought for sure. Um, I'm totally uh, admitting that. But I think it takes the fall very seriously that within the window of this world, there are some things that won't be completely redeemed. And that's something that we have to accept uh, because that is the way that God has set up redemption. But in the resurrection, the resurrection reminds us that this life is fallen, but it's not the end of the story. Um, our hope is never uh, touched or dismantled because it is solid uh, always in the eternal mindset. So our resurrection is always held for us. Our life is kept for us in Christ. But in this life, there might be such a distortion to things that the end note of victory might not be heard in this life. And that not only applies to social systems and um, to sin but and sickness, but it also applies to calling, to calling. And I think that this is something that is missing in, in some of the vocational theology that is out there, that even in our ability to find, follow through with our calling, there is brokenness and then there is fall. Um, you know, there's this movement in vocational theology that highlights the need to find your calling. And it says that if you're faithful and you're not working for money and you give yourself to God's calling, then you will find the thing that God has made you for, and you will finally live the life in harmony and music of your glorious call. Um, well, I'd like to really challenge that, uh, carefully challenge that in light of the fall. I think um, that form of vocational theology doesn't actually take the fall seriously enough. Our careers, brothers and sisters, our careers, just like our bodies, are fallen, and although they might experience amazing redemption in periods of life here while we're here on earth, it's not promised that they're going to be completely redeemed to the extent that we expect sometimes here on earth. And I often go to the example of men and women I met in the Syrian border, at the Syrian border, who were refugees. And um, in Syria, they were engineers and doctors at home leading very fulfilling, comfortable lives for them. But because of the Syrian refugee crisis, many of them I met in Antakya, Turkey, were peeling walnuts for a dollar a day in order to do something to try to feed their families. Now, what does our current vocational theology have to offer to them? You know, does it say that they're out of line with God's calling until they get back into the doctor's office, that they have to find their way back to that and until then, they're not really in line with their calling? Or is there a calling for them while they're peeling walnuts? Is there a calling for them while they're in that place of brokenness? You know, I think that the idolatry um, of calling 
and the precision of calling, meaning the idolatry of finding exactly what you're called to do, right? That's added frustration to us. And um, it's actually a recent development uh, where in the past people didn't struggle with it so much. I mean, if you were the son of a cobbler, you were going to be a cobbler. If you were the son of a blacksmith, you were going to be a blacksmith. But now with so many options available to us, there is this deep frustration and ambiguity um, about our work. We're led to believe that we've progressed so much that we can advance past the fall when it comes to this idea of calling. Just like how, you know, you hear in the news that scientists, really some of them are convinced that they can beat death with uh, medical advancements. Unfortunately, some of that um, is also in, in the minds of Christians, that because we have so many choices and educational opportunities that we can really find uh, whatever calling um, that is perfect with our gifting. And we believe that if we do that, then we'll have a life experience that has no drudgery and lacks uh, the difficulty of working jobs that we don't like. And I think we just need to slow down and be a little bit careful uh, with that mode of thinking. Um, you know, drudgery is an important idea, I think, when it comes to work. And um, I would say to define drudgery, drudgery is a mix between frustration and purposelessness and boredom or banality, right? There's frustrating, it's aimless, and it's boring. When those things come together, it's a form of suffering that I, I like to call drudgery. Um, and it's an effect of the fall. Before the fall, maybe Adam's work in the garden was completely fulfilling and maybe exciting all the time. I don't know. But after the fall, there's definitely drudgery. And drudgery isn't a sharp pain, but it's kind of a dull pain. It's a kind of pain that lasts over years and years. And it's a big part of laboring in a fallen world. And some of us are blessed enough to have a little bit of less drudgery in our lives, but others have very few options. And some work in coal mines in third world countries as child slaves. And there's a lot more drudgery than others. I think that we need to take the fall seriously. And what does vocational theology or, or, the, or work and faith look like when you do that? Um, I think so, you know, you're listening to this and think, okay, you're really bringing us down and uh, you think that everything is terrible. But, you know, I don't think so. I think that there's just needs to be just a shift in, in focus and emphasis for how we're going to uh, find fulfillment uh, you know, I think the key focus that we need to have is to be reminded, reminded of this inner life of faith. Uh, you see, the kingdom of God is interesting because it focuses so much on what is unseen. Um, in this life, there's so much pain and the, there's so much suffering. But for the Christian, there's this indomitable hope that's available for us. And it's something that happens within us. It's not based on something that um, happens around us. Um, meaning, um, you know, in Psalm 84, uh, a certain people called the sons of Korah, they write um, something beautiful. They write that they would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the comfortable tents of the wicked. Um, it's interesting because these are the people assigned to be the doorkeepers in the house of Israel. So I think it's important that they are the ones who write that uh, because I think it's hard to say you want to have the difficult job of being the doorkeeper when you've never experienced it. But 
It's even more impressive, I think, when a literal doorkeeper says that they would rather be a doorkeeper than to dwell in the house of the wicked. Um, meaning, you know, if a CEO got frustrated one day, just picture a CEO got frustrated one day at work and said, oh, man, I wish, you know, I, I'm so sick of all this responsibility and I'm so sick of all these burdens. Oh, I wish I was just a carefree delivery boy. And then poof, imagine that God grants him that wish and he becomes a, a, a delivery boy one day. And while he's delivering, he realizes just how difficult it is now that he's lost all of the influence and comforts of being a CEO. And he looks up to heaven and he says, God, change me back. I want it all back again. You see, it's different when someone else says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper, but it's impressive for the doorkeeper to say, I'd rather be faithful in this than to move up the ladder, compromising my morals. And the sons of Korah know what it's like to be doorkeepers and yet to be satisfied in a job of drudgery. Now, how? You know, for the Christian, we have to be reminded it's not the outer circumstances, but it's the heart. It's the ability to connect with the eternal and to dwell with the Lord. This is the key, to dwell with the Lord even in the dumps. Um, you know, in 2 Corinthians 4, beautiful passage, so important uh, to us when uh, we are working, especially in difficult situations. When Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. <clears throat> and this is the whole uh, idea of the chapter. And Paul is saying, we do not lose heart. And I think it's something that we, uh, we who work in difficult situations or, or situations of deep drudgery need to have 2 Corinthians 4 in our lives. Therefore, we do not lose heart. He says, though outwardly we are being wasted away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And that is the dynamic, I think, that we need to capture again. Not looking for new external circumstances that renew us from the outside in. But Paul says, I found a way that externally I'm wasting away, but internally I'm finding a way to be renewed daily. Verse 17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul has found a way to link into the eternal, even when he's in situations of external wasting away. And in this fallen world, I think, if we're caught chasing the perfect calling, the perfect job to satisfy the longings, uh, we're going to die hungry. Uh, we will fall prey to false teaching of idolatry and the precision of calling, you know, chasing that and chasing that and going to pastors again and again. Which, what kind of line of work should I be in? What you know, is God's calling for my life? One of the things that we have to remember is that there's always a calling on your life. You know, calling is not just about future decision-making or finding a calling, wherever you are in, you have a calling on you right now. God's hand of calling is on you now, and not just when you have to think about the next job or transitioning. Your calling, you have a calling to be faithful in the place where you are now. That will never go away. You see, I fear that our current work theology could be unintentionally 
leading people in the direction of idolizing calling and a better situation because they're seeking uh, a way to perfectly contribute uh, through their calling now and their gifting. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you should not look for a better way uh, to use your gifting, a better way to be more in line with what you are passionate about. I'm not saying don't pursue anything new, but I am saying that there is a calling on your life to enjoy God where you are now, that we have no excuse to say, but this is not what I want to do. And so I I have permission uh, to be gloomy and I have permission to be upset You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's calling us to him. He's calling us to him. Uh, He's not calling us to find fulfillment elsewhere in our jobs or anywhere else. He's calling us only to be fulfilled in him. And we're always going to be surrounded by suffering and drudgery, no matter what, even in the most joyous things. But the nearness of our hearts to him is what allows us to glory in being doorkeepers of boring doors And it's what allows us to sing even in puddles of blood. Again, I'm not saying don't pursue uh, what you're passionate about, but I'm saying that the fall is real. Your sin is real. And there's only rest in the Lord. And there's such rest in the Lord that you can even be renewed day by day in callings that don't perfectly precisely match up to your gifting. Don't go on the wild goose chase of finding perfection and the perfect external circumstances. Uh, Don't seek a job that renews you day by day. That's what the world is looking for. Don't seek a job that renews you day by day. Find a God who renews you day by day. I know that sounds cliche. That sounds kind of corny, but that is it. That's it. To be in communion uh, with the Lord who allows you to be a doorkeeper. Um, and sustains you in difficult situations. Um, I really wanted to challenge you and to remind you that He has rest for you and that there is no hope outside of Him. And so I know that some of you are going to be listening to this on your way to work, and I I really want to encourage you, go today near to God um, and to ask Him to be with you as you work. and, And finally find the work um, that you're looking for um, in his rest, you know, not in the situation. And so um, I, I wanted to bless you with that. And I pray that the Lord convict you and that through this, uh, you're able to go to him and then go into his arms today as you work. Thank you, Mosaic, uh, for listening. And, and I really hope uh, that this was helpful. I love you, Mosaic, and I'll see you soon.